Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdena Azband, our daf of the day, Masachet Yoma, daf Ayin Tet, page 79. We are coming closer and closer to the end of this Masachet. Our siyum is approaching. Again, it will be July 11th. Um, that will be at 5 p.m. Israel time and 9 a.m., 10 a.m., sorry, 10 a.m., Eastern Seaboard of America time. And the rest of you, we know we have listeners, thank God, all over the world. You can make the adjustments to the time zones yourselves. Uh, we look forward to learning with you and hearing from you. And please do not forget to register so that you can get the Zoom link. And I, uh, I just want to make a mention that the CM is a memory of Shani Wiener, uh, Shoshana Bat Mordechai Nachman Umiriam, and it's being sponsored by Deborah and Jay Solomon and family um, who wanted us. Uh, so we appreciate that, who... Shani was a real Ohebet Torah and loved to learn. And uh, the family felt she really would have enjoyed our podcast. So thank you for that opportunity to remember her that way. Thank you, Deborah and Jay. Um, okay, we are going to start not at the beginning of the daf, but before the beginning of the daf, which is just one few, just a few words. We're going back to the Mishnah, meaning the text on the bottom of the previous daf cites the Mishnah, this is where we talk about the shear, the amount, the measurement of food by which it would take somebody who eats this measurement of food, this amount of food, would then be liable for Yom Kippur, right? Meaning the whole idea of eating less than a shear, less than that amount on Yom Kippur is to make sure that you don't, you're not subject to the actual full punishment of somebody who has completed this violation. But this is how it would be, right? Somebody who would eat kikotevetagasa, the amount of food that would be the volume of a large date, is would then be liable for for that violation. By Rav Papa, so Rav Papa asked, and now we're on our daf again. Kikotevich amru begarinita o below garinita. Does that large fig amount, that amount that you could measure, it's going to be a mass, right? Is it? Does that include? the pit of the date, or does it not include the pit of the date? Which I think uh, this and the rest of the passage that follows it is really a very classic and important Gemara kind of question, because on the one hand, the Gemara is so specific, that's a very specific kind of date, right? Except for that it's also not specific enough if you're trying to figure out what what would really put you over the edge to be violating, uh, you know, an Isra Karit on Yom Kippur. So, Rav, Rav Papa's question is, you know, does it include the pit or not? By Rav Ashi, etzem kisora beklipato o beliklipata. So Rav Ashi says, well, it's the same kind of thing that the Mishnah states that there's a etzem, there's a bone that had the amount of a barley grain, right? That would that would be which that that's the amount that would take you to get tame. And then the question there would be, would it be a barley grain with a husk, the klipa, the, the shell of it, or without the husk? Meaning any time that you're making a measurement that's based on a food volume, meaning a volume that is, you know, lined up um, with a physical amount of food, you're going to have some kind of question like this. So there is the, the pit and here is the skin or the husk. Balacha Are we talking about a, um, the barley grain that is a wet kernel or is it a dry kernel? Meaning wet will be, I don't know, a little, a little, it will have more mess to it, right? It will be more solid. Um, but at the same time, Rav Ashi, who asked these questions about this bone um, barley grain size, did not ask the same question of Rav Papa. 
because this is a nice answer, I think. He says, meaning it is the large date. So large means that you should want it to be as large as possible, which would then include the pit, meaning make that shiur as large as possible is the most generous approach to what the shiur would be, that it would take that much more eating to make a person actually violate the violate the isur. And then if you would eat, you know, I don't know, like a kekotevet ketana. I don't know if there really is such a thing halachically, but if you would have a, a small date or the date without the pit, then you're not gonna you're not gonna cross that line. So of course make the shiur the larger amount. It's got gasa in the word itself. It means large. At the same time, Rav Ashi didn't, I'm sorry, Rav Papa didn't ask Rav Ashi's question. Why? So what happens? Rav Papa didn't ask Rav Ashi's questions about the, the barley grain size because it's very clear to him. He says wet barley is called shibolet. It's not called seora to begin with, right? It's called shibolet. So then don't worry about it. You don't, we're talking about dry. And then with the klipa or without the klipa, the moment you take it out of the klipa, out of that shell or the husk, then it's no longer called barley. It would be called ushla, ushla mikre. So then, therefore, when the Mishnah talks about seora, it must be talking about dry barley without, uh, within the husk. It's still got the husk there. Because simply by virtue of the vocabulary. So on the one hand, you could ask these questions anytime you come to food. Right? There's going to be something you could probe to figure out exactly how specific the, the case might be. And on the other hand, Rav Papa's question, Rav Papa has a question, I think, for Yom Kippur because he wants to be extra careful, I'm sure. But on the other hand, he's when he focuses on the vocabulary for the barley, he's not even worried. Then um, we follow, the Gemara follows up with this. Um, I'm a Rava. Rav is in parentheses here. I'm not sure why. Amar Rava, Amar Rav Yehuda, Kotevet Hagasa Sha'amru, meaning this volume of the large date that they said, Yetera Mikabetza, it's larger than the amount of an egg. So think about your average date and think about your average egg. Um, so I don't know, there's small eggs and there's large eggs and there's jumbo eggs and it's hard to know exactly how large you know, an egg was that they're talking about, but in any case, they're talking about a very large date if it's going to be larger than the amount that would be an egg. The the So why what happens here? Chazal have this tradition that the kokotevet, the date, is going to be that the the date is going to be larger than the egg, and then you could kind of it calms people down a little bit, right? So that they shouldn't have to worry that it's too small. Um, they have yishuv hadat. They could be calm, but sir mihachi. If it would be any less than that, then we would say lo They do not have that yishuv hadat. Miat um, is the Aramaic of the Hebrew of yishuv hadat, which I'm calling calmness, whatever. Um, and then, of course, there's a question. Meitve, we've got a question, a kashya that comes from a story. Masa v'heviu l'rabanya Yochanan ben Zakkai. They brought Rav Yochanan and Zakkai uh, cooked food, um, some kind of cooked food, and he's going to taste it. And at the same time, apparently, they brought Rabban Gamliel two dates and a dli, a bucket. 
um, of of water, a large a large receptacle for water. Vamru halum sukah betani ala lo so we're moving now from this measurement of the dates. We're going to take it into sukkah. I'm going to hand it over to you, Dana. But the the amount here that they're talking about, both of them, Rabbi Yochanan Zak and Rabbi Gamliel said to them, bring these, bring this food, the tavshil, the cooked food, and also the dates and also the water to the sukkah and we'll eat there. So then the question is, did they have to eat this food in the sukkah? Meaning, is it so much food that it was going to be the amount of food that they would need to eat in the sukkah? And the answer here in this passage right now says it wasn't because it was halacha that the food had to be in the sukkah, but really they wanted to be machmir and not eat anything at all outside of the sukkah, which is certainly laudatory, right? It's praiseworthy behavior, but it's also not, um, it's the conclusion here is to say, don't say, don't think that this amount of food requires the sukkah, and this is where the kabetza and the kotevet um, amounts um, come into play, because the kabetza becomes significant when you're talking about sukkah. Now it's all yours, Yerdina. Well, this is super typical Gemara, right? Take two different parallel halachot, where, the, where, you know, in this case, it's the amount of food eaten, and see, can you draw parallels? Do you see that they intersect, or are they two totally different halachot? And so here what they're trying to work through is why does it seem that for sukkah it's a beitza and then, you know, for uh, Yom Kippur it's this, uh, uh, you know, this kotep, uh, uh, right? This some type of large date bulk that needs to be eaten. And so the Gemara here, you know, wants to go on had to beitza by sukkah, right? So that this volume of food that requires a beitza that's what's required to be eaten in the sukkah. In other words, if you're going to eat less than a kibetzah, it can be out of the sukkah. If it's going to be more than that, it can be eaten in the sukkah. And so the Gemara spends some time, you know, sort of working that through and trying to figure out why the brisa that we learned before and that Anne that you mentioned, whether or not that actually applies to our case or doesn't apply to our case. Can we make a distinction about the sukkah if we're talking about fruit or about sweet things and the, the, the Gemara's ultimate conclusion is, uh, you know, that you can, or is it maybe, you know, about uh, saying that it's, you know, sort of something that's not a fixed meal, right, that it's arise. So these are all things that I think we've seen before. Well, our next Masachet is actually Sukkah, so we'll see more of this. But then the Gemara does something uh, very interesting here, and it starts with a different line of reasoning. Rav Zavid Amar, Kotevar HaGasa Chasera so Rav Zavid says that maybe actually this, you know, large date that we're talking about, maybe this is actually smaller than a beitza. In other words, the assumption sort of was before is that this large date bulk, right, has to be bigger than a beitza. And along comes Rav Zavid and he says, no, maybe it's actually smaller, right? It's not. And so now he tries to go ahead and prove it. So he quotes a, Bryce, a Mishnah here of Beit Shammai. Beit Shammai Arim, Seor Kivzayit, Chamez Kika Kotevet. Right? So, we, so when we are talking about the halachot of Pesach, when it comes to the actual leaven itself, right? What makes, you know, sourdough actually rise or bread actually rise? That is only, you can only have in your possession a Kizayit, an olive bulk worth. Right? But when we're talking about uh, the chametz, you know, chametz itself, meaning the leavened bread, which we know 
doesn't make it as hametzik, right? It's not going to leaven something. There you can go up to a volume of a large date. So what this establishes is the smaller one is going to be the kezayit. A larger one than that is going to be the kotebe, right? That's what it, that's what it's going to be. Now, then the Gemara goes on to explain what's the reasoning for um, Beit Shammai, right? And, and talking about what I just said out loud, sort of distinguishing between the or the leavening product versus the actual hametz, which is the leavened bread. And that it sort of makes sense that the bread, which can't leaven as quickly, that's going to have a larger amount. But now it goes on to say, So let's say you want to say that this kotevet is actually bigger than a egg, you know, than an egg, than a than a kibetza. If that was the case, then sort of the stepwise order that Beit Shammai should have gone is, is he would have been looking for the next measure that's bigger than a kezayit. And if it was a kebetza, then he should have taught a kebetza. Or the other way that you could look at it is, right? It should have just taught that it, you know, it should have been a kebetza because we know kebetza is just in general. Maybe if you want to say it's not even bigger than the kotevet, it's just, it's a much more common measurement that we see. So it has to be that the date bulk has to be less than the beta because it's so unusual that it's taught. And also he's trying to use a measurement that's bigger than a kezayis. So why wouldn't he just use a kevetsa? So that's sort of their first proof. Gamar is going to reject that. Me, my, how do you, like, how do you know that? How is that proof? Maybe no, this ketovet is actually bigger. The date measurement is bigger than the egg measurement. Right? But rather what we could say is, is that the, the normal size sort of is always like an egg bolt, right? And, you know, in other words, a normal size of sort of the next step up from the kezayis is really a, 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 an egg bolt. The, but, you know, but, but Beit Shammai sort of just as a date. Or we could say that this volume of this large date and the Eggbald are actually equal. And the Mishnah just chose to use one of them. In other words, you can't prove from that that one's bigger than the other. Maybe they're actually just equal to each other. And one is just more used, the Kibetzas used more commonly, but the date one could be, could actually be equal. So we certainly have proven it may not be bigger, but there's a possibility that it's equal. So we still need to really prove that it's small, that the date is smaller. So we're going to give a different proof. Right? How much food does somebody need to eat that they have to do a zimun, right? That they could be part of the zimun after benching. So we say it's a kezayat dibre rabbi meir. That's what rabbi meir says. Rabbi hudo meir ad kebeza. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, it's, you have to have at least a kibetza amount of bread in order to participate in the zimun. But my kamafligate, what are they arguing about? Rabbi Meir Savar, v'achalta, so we know that famous pasuk in Devarim chapter 8, verse 10, v'achalta that's the source for benching, right? You should eat, you should be satisfied, and you should bless. So according to our member, v'achalta is eating, right? So achila, v'savata zoshtia, you should feel satisfied as drinking. 
And we know therefore eating is just our regular standard kazais. Rabbi Yehuda Sava, Rabbi Yehuda holds, Vachalta it has to be Achila It has to be eating that is satisfying. And what is like a satisfying amount that you ate? It's eating the amount of an egg. Right? And so therefore, if you want to say that this date bulk is this larger date bulk, you know, is larger than an egg, then how could you say that an egg bulk, right? You know, sort of, then you would have to say an egg bulk satisfies but doesn't settle the mind, right? Because remember, Anne, what you said at the beginning was, is that what was special about this date measurement is that it settles the mind. So are we going to say that the date bulk settles the mind, but is not a satisfying amount of food? So that really just doesn't make any sense at all. That's a lot right? Like how, sorry, I, I missed that last part there, right? Right, it, it has to settle the mind. Elalab, rather, right, don't, don't conclude it from this. Right, so it has to be that it's actually smaller than the egg, right? So what are we saying? We're saying that an egg is makes you satisfied. The 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 date bulk it just settles your mind. In other words, you're not like starving anymore, right? You got a little bit of something in your system. But it's not that you are, you're not satisfied. That you need a kvetsa for. But the kotevit, it takes the edge off of the, hung, of, the, of the hunger, at least. And then we'll see tomorrow, there will be more discussion about sort of all measurements that have to do with eating and, and what are those measures. Um, but it's interesting to see that we sort of, for the first time, have a new measurement here that somehow seems to be unique to Yom Kippur. And it's specifically this in-between of the kazais and the kvetsa which we've seen before and seem to be the much more common food measurements. And I think the point here is, is that when we talk about the Yisur of eating on Yom Kippur, one doesn't need to eat to the point of satisfaction, to the point of being, wouldn't say it's full, but that you didn't really need to eat. You would be able to be like, all right, I don't need to eat anything else. Here, it's a little bit more than a kazayas, but it's enough to say like, you're not going to feel hungry anymore. And I think that's sort of this in between, and it makes sense that I could see for because Yom Kippur has a specific sort of not eating, that it sort of has its own separate shiur, as opposed to how much do you need to eat in order to have to bench, or how much do you need to eat in order to say now I have to eat in a sukkah? Because the purposes of those eating is very different than refraining from eating. One is a halacha about what you can eat. One is a halacha about what happens, or do you cross a certain threshold? that you ate so much, it obligates you in something else. I always think of it as the difference between taking the edge off, right? That would be the Yom Kippur eating, where you're like, oh my goodness, you're going to lose it. So you're going to eat just a little bit, right? Anything that goes beyond that little bit is going to put you into the violation, right? So we're talking about taking the edge off versus, you know, being Kovea Suda, right? That you're, you're sitting down to have a meal. Like the whole idea of bringing your food to the sukkah is to have a meal in the sukkah. Right. Even if it's, you know, the kind of items that, that they discuss and it's not exactly a four course meal, but it's still it's still for the purposes of 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 having the meal. Right. I mean, that's for the goal of getting sated. Right. And then you bench. Whereas I mean, Kipper, the point is, I agree with you. It's not at all about benching. Right. And so I think that's the Gemara doesn't state that exactly. 
but I think we can sort of make that inference. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Robin E. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydrogen website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.